reading is Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 2, verse 3. The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushai, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, during the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away both man and beast. I will sweep away the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and the idols that cause the wicked to stumble. When I destroy all mankind on the face of the earth, declares the Lord, I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all who live in Jerusalem. I will destroy every remnant of Baal worship in this place, the very names of the the idolatrous priests, those who bow down on the roofs to worship the starry host, those who bow down and swear by the Lord, and who also swear by Melech, those who turn back from following the Lord, and neither seek the Lord nor inquire of him. Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated those he has invited. On the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all those clad in foreign clothes. On that day, I will punish all who avoid stepping on the threshold, who fill the temple of their gods with violence and deceit. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will go up from the fish gates, wailing from the new quarter, and a loud crash from the hills. Wail, you who live in the market districts, all your merchants will be wiped out. All who trade with silver will be destroyed. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. Their wealth will be plundered, their houses demolished. Though they build houses, they will not live in them. Though they plant vineyards, they will not drink the wine. The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. The cry on the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty warrior shouts his battle cry. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. I will bring such distress on all people that they will grope about like those who are blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole earth will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end of all who live on the earth. Judah summoned to repent. Gather together, gather yourselves together, you shameful nation, before the decree takes effect and that day passes like windblown chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, thank you for reading that. 
Uh, do keep it open in front of you, page 944, Oops. Uh, and uh, we'll take a look at it. But let's pray uh, as we come to this. Lord, we've just said that this is your words, and as we come towards it tonight, may we be thankful for it, uh, and may you teach, it, teach us through it. Amen. Now, I don't know what you thought uh, as Kate read that passage out. Uh, it's perhaps not the sort of thing that you were traditionally taught about God in Sunday school. Uh, it's not an easy read. It's pretty stark. But it's in the Bible. Uh, and although we may not want to think about it, we need to think uh, about it um, and uh, the difficulties and the questions that might bring. Uh, but let me say from the outset, uh, we're signing this new uh, series in Zephaniah. And let me say from the outset, the end of Zephaniah is one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Uh, in fact, uh, in times uh, which we found difficult uh, over the last few years, that has been a part of the Bible uh, I have turned to uh, a number of times. Now, you're all flicking ahead to see what it says. Um, that's good. That's fine. You can do that. Read ahead. Perhaps wait till after the service rather than get distracted now. Um, but read, read ahead this week. But it is good uh, because um, you, get th- you have to go through this two and a half chapters uh, of God's judgment, of God's uh, sweeping destruction um, that is near, that there's no escape from, before you get to the salvation. But then that salvation, that hope is even more sweeter because of what you've had to read before. But I want to say that's getting ahead of ourselves. We need to stay here and look at chapter 1, the first little bit of, uh, of chapter 2, as we go through. And, uh, we're going to spend three weeks uh, looking at Zephaniah. This is not until the third week uh, we'll get to that message of hope. But also in that third week, we'll have a uh, Q&A session uh, at the end over food. Uh, so if you've got questions as we go through, do you be scribbling them down? Uh, and we'll um, get the box uh, for, to put questions in that we'll try and answer in a few weeks' time. But as a start, uh, we actually started this series last week uh, because Ruth kicked us off brilliantly um, by helping us consider how we read Old Testament prophecy. Uh, and this is what Zephaniah is. It's an Old Testament prophet. It's one of the so-called minor prophets at the end of the Old Testament, minor in length rather than message. Um, they bring a message of judgment and they bring a message of hope. And if you've missed last week, it'd be really good. It's a, it a really good session that, um, that Ruth did uh, listen online, uh, it's on the website, and it helps to get us into this genre. But one of the things that uh, the roof did that was really helpful is she painted this picture, um, or more importantly, more showed how Zephaniah uh, paints pictures using picture language. And then what the prophets do is they paint these various pictures, uh, and then they put them into an exhibition so that we can see uh, what God is saying. And so we're not going to have time uh, in, this, uh, in these sermons to look at every single picture in the exhibition. We're not, definitely not going to have a t- time to look at each brushstroke. But we will look at how the exhibition is put together. Look at what God was saying to Judah uh, back then uh, and what he says to us now. Perhaps you might want to go and ponder some of these images some more uh, over this week. But let's kick off. Where are we uh, in Israel's history? Look at Zephaniah 1 verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, uh, the son of Gedaliah. Uh, Kate did these far better than I can. Uh, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, during the reign of Josiah, son of Amon, king of Judah. Now that's important. Zephaniah lived at the time 
uh, when Josiah was king of Judah. So the northern kingdom uh, of Israel had already been taken off into exile, uh, and the southern kingdom of Judah is re- it remains. Uh, so you can read about this in uh, 2 Kings, uh, or more sorry, you can read about Josiah in 2 Kings uh, 22 to 23. He became king when he was eight years old. Now, I've got an eight-year-old. I'm not convinced. Like, that is, you know, she can't be a king. She's a girl. But even so, you know, like, yeah, anyway, you get the idea. Uh, but what was amazing about um, Jos- Josiah, you know, his father, Amon, who's mentioned there, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's what 2 Kings uh, 21.20 tells us. Whereas Josiah was a good king. He did right in the eyes of the Lord. And the turnaround that happened uh, between the kings happened in the 18th year of Josiah's rule. Uh, So during that year, the uh, book of the law was uh, discovered in the temple, and the words of the book of the law are read to Josiah. Uh, And as he hears these words, he tears his clothes in in utter disgust and repentance at how the people have been living. And he calls the people back uh, to repent and uh, to turn back from their ways of living and turn to, to what the book of the law has to say, to how God wanted them to live and wanted them to worship. And so Zephaniah is writing at this point when uh, Josiah is calling the nation back to repentance. And he arrives and he gives this uh, prophetic backup to what the king was trying to do, this word coming from God to say, this is what you need to do. Because the day of the Lord is coming. And that's what the focus uh, of this uh, prophecy is around, this day of the Lord and what will happen on it. Do you see it was there in verse 7 and verse 14? The day of the Lord and what's going to happen. And Zephaniah 1 tells us uh, that the Lord's just judgment is near. The Lord's just judgment is near. Now, this uh, chapter works by Zephaniah uh, telling us the destruction that's first coming to the whole world in verses 2 and 3 uh, on that day of the Lord, before he zooms in on Judah, uh, on God's people, in verses 4 to 13, and then he zooms out again to the whole world in verses 14 to 18. But one thing is clear, nothing, no one, would escape the judgment when that day comes. Look at verse 2. I will sweep away everything from the face of the Lord of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away both man and beast. I will sweep away the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and the idols that cause the wicked to stumble. When I destroy all mankind on the face of the earth, declares the Lord. It's a pretty bleak picture, isn't it? Everything in the world, swept away and destroyed. I don't know if anyone saw uh, the BBC adaptation of War of the Worlds over Christmas. Anyone watch that? A couple of nods. If you didn't, don't worry, you didn't miss much. Uh, Jeff Wayne's musical version is far better. Uh, But one of the things they did do uh, really well in this adaptation, as you can sort of see in this picture, is after uh, the Alien invaders had come uh, and utterly brought destruction on the planet. Uh, They showed the bleakness uh, of what was left. You can kind of see it there. Everything was covered in this red dust. It was barren. Uh, There was nothing there. And the few survivors were kind of left huddling in camps 
um, trying to find foods to eat uh, and ways to, to survive as the seas spread. And, and you could kind of feel the desperation that those survivors had. Not even the sun could shine properly. Nothing left. And you get a similar idea here in Zephaniah, don't you? But actually it's worse. Everything swept from the earth. All mankind destroyed. No survivors. Can you feel the desperation in these words? Can you feel the lack of hope? And surprisingly, it's the Lord that's bringing this about. This, what seems to be a reversal of creation. Verse 1 tells us this is the word Lord, and then see the repeated phrase, I will, verse 2. I will. Verse 3, it's there twice. Verse 4, it's there twice. Verse 8, verse 12, verse 17. I will. It's the Lord, the God of the people of Judah, who is bringing destruction on the whole world and on Judah. Verse 4, I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all who live in Jerusalem. I will destroy every remnant of Baal Baal worship in this place. The very names of the idolatrous priests, those who bow down on the roofs to worship the starry host, those who bow down and swear by the Lord, and who also swear by Malek, those who turn back from following the Lord and neither seek the Lord nor inquire of him. Now God is just going to swat away Judah. Judgment is coming. It's near. But it's a just judgment. Verse, did you notice in verse 5, I was reading that out. There are some that are bound down to the Lord, but at the same time as they're bound down to the Lord, they're bound down to Moloch. Verse 6 tells us there's some that's not even seeking God. And these are supposed to be God's people. They've been set apart from the days of Abraham, uh, and they were to live distinctive to the nations around them. They were supposed to be a blessing to the nations uh, and worship God alone with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But instead, they'd looked to the nations around them, uh, and they'd forgotten God's law, and they're bowing down to the other gods that they had seen. And remember, this is the time when Josiah is trying to bring in those reforms. You can see why they're needed. People have forgotten the law and bowing down to other things, to idols. People have forgotten the law. They weren't even seeking God. And it's not just their actions, it's their thinking as well. Look at the uh, end of verse 12. Uh, People who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. It's like they're saying, we can do whatever we want. We can fit in with the culture around us, even if it's contrary to God's word. We can worship whatever, we can worship whoever uh, we like. In fact, let's mix it all up, see what fits together. We can do these things, God's not doing anything. He's not been around for a while, he's not going to do anything good, he's not going to do anything bad. Let's just get on with things our own way. You can see their way of thinking, can't you? We can see their way of thinking because don't we think just the same? We may not put it as blatantly as that, but think about the last time you sinned. Or the last time you compromised your faith to fit in with the culture around you. Didn't just part of you think 
God's not going to do anything, so it doesn't really matter. How many people, as we look around uh, outside these walls, are just ignoring God because they think God's going to do nothing, either good or bad? We may be two and a half uh, centuries later, but we easily fall into that same way of thinking. God will do nothing, either good or bad. And then we have to see what Zephaniah has to say to people who think that way. Because the day of the Lord is near. As I said, it's there in verse 7 and verse 14. It's near. It was near then, it's even nearer now. And it's not going to be a pleasant day. Did you see on that day, the Lord's going to punish all officials and those in power, verse 8. He's going to punish those who worship false gods, verse 9. It's going to be a day of wailing throughout the city, verse 10. It's going to be a day of no escape as the Lord searches people out, verse 11. It's going to be a day of wrath, distress, anguish, trouble, ruin, darkness, gloom, clouds and blackness, verse 15. It's going to be a day where people are so distressed, they'll be groping around like blind. Their blood poured out like dust, verse 17. And verse 18, not even people's wealth is able to save them. And how many people today are putting hope in wealth? It's a terrifying day. It's a horrific day. Actually, I wonder in some ways if uh, the films and the TV shows we've seen actually uh, dampen our our reading of this because we kind of uh, picture what's being shown there. And we don't spend time to look at the words that are here and how uh, powerful and how destructive a day that is. Now, of course... As with those TV shows, there is a hero. We know there's a hero that's going to, uh, to rescue us. But don't jump there too quickly. Stop for a moment. Pause. Look at these pictures. In this verse, this, sorry, this chapter begins in verse 2 with everything being swept uh, from the earth. It ends in verse 18 with the whole earth being consumed. It's an image of total destruction. Utter destruction. Pain, wailing, distress, hopelessness. It's a judgment that weighs heavy as we read it. But that's exactly what this prophecy is trying to achieve. We're not meant to like it. We're not meant to read it uh, and think uh, that was for them back then. We're meant to read it and think sin is serious. We're meant to see where sin leads to. And we want to, in that scenario, to search out a way to avoid such judgments. Because when we read these words, I know about you, when I read these words, that sort of judgment hasn't happened yet. Yes, there was a a partial fulfillment uh, for Judah as they were carried off uh, to exile in Babylon. But that complete worldwide uh, judgment hasn't come yet. And the New Testament tells us it is coming. It's coming when Jesus returns. He'll judge the whole world. It'll be a just judgment. So we need to see the seriousness of sin. We need to see where it leads. And we need to again and again and again 
search for that way of salvation. And God shows us what that is, or should I say begins to show us what that is at this point in Zephaniah. He'll show us fully at the end. But he begins here in chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, where he says, Therefore, repent. Because that great joy of the Lord is here, repent. Chapter 2, verse 1, Gather together, gather yourselves together, you shameful nation, before the decree takes effect, and that day passes like windblown chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. Gather together. There's a, there's a corporate element to this repentance. But gather together. You see, before it's too late. That word before there, repeated three times. Before it's too late. And this prophecy is, if you can imagine, it's like the warning siren that goes off before the nuclear bomb's about to hit. You hear the siren, you run to shelter. You don't wait till you see the bomb coming. It's going to be too late. Now you hear the siren, you run to shelter. You need to heed the warning and act. And what's the shelter uh, here in Zephaniah verse 3? Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. The only possible hope you have is seeking the one who's bringing the judgment. Turning from old ways, repenting, repenting, returning from the old ways and seeking the Lord's. Stop thinking that God's going to do nothing, either good or bad. Instead, seek humility, seek uh, righteousness. And perhaps... Perhaps you might be saved. That's all we get uh, at this point in the prophecy. No certainty. But perhaps you might be saved. See, repentance doesn't stop the day of the Lord coming. But it does give the chance for individuals to have a different outcome. See, it's clear there is only one possible place to shelter. It's in the Lord's. Now for the people of Judah who were hearing this for the first time in those days with Josiah, they needed to to hear these words. They needed to to run back uh, to the Lord through that rediscovered book of the law that had been discovered in the temple. Uh, Read again how God wants them to worship, how he wants them to live their lives, how he wants hearts uh, that are uh, are welling up uh, with love and adoration for who he is uh, and what he's done that causes those other things to happen. And when we want to seek God, uh, we need to come and see what he's revealed to us in his word. We, aren't we so fortunate we've, just not got, uh, we've not just got the book of the law, we have the whole Bible, that full revelation of God. And we can see how Judah didn't fully repent and therefore were taken to exile. We can read the warnings of the other prophets. We can see how the Lord brought a remnant back from exile and from that remnant raised up his son, the Lord Jesus. We can read the warnings and the hope of Jesus' return. And as we read these things, they should drive us to seek the Lord. Drive us uh, to the only possible shelter there is. And move us away from that that warp thinking that God's going to do nothing, either good or bad. They should drive us to repent before it's too late.
And perhaps tonight, as we've been uh, reading these words and hearing these things through, there's something you've, uh, that's come into your minds. Some ways that you think, actually, there's some way that I've been living that isn't right. And I need to repent. I, I need to turn back to God. I need to hear that warning siren. Turn from that wrong way of living. Uh, and turn back to Jesus, seeking God, seeking his righteousness, seeking his humility, repenting before it's too late. Because the day of the Lord is near. I'm just going to give us a minute just to do that. A minute in the quietness to pray to God. An area of your life that perhaps you want to say, I need to turn away from and turn back to to God. Love him again uh, and see how he wants me to change through that love. Just a minute of quiet. bring us back together there. I'm not going to hide the fact that this is a difficult passage. It's a difficult read. It causes us to think seriously, seriously about our lives, seriously about the judgment that God has said is coming when Jesus returns. And I'm deliberately not jumping too quickly to the hope and restoration. We will get there, but not yet. First, we need to meditate on these pictures. And there may be things that, uh, as you've been thinking, you want to talk to others about, you want to, to pray with others uh, about. That's a good thing to do. But let's not miss, uh, let's not stare at the brushstrokes of this painting, these paintings that Zeph and I are placed in front of us. None of us have perfectly sought the Lord. None of us have perfectly sought righteousness and humility. But one of the things that I hope staring at these pictures does is to cause us to run to God. Is to cause us uh, to see that there is only one place, only one person who has perfectly sought him all the time, who has perfectly uh, sought righteousness and humility. See, as we see the depths of our sin, the destructive judgments that we deserve, It must drive us back to the cross of Christ. Back to that place of secure, certain, loving shelter where this judgment, this judgment that we deserved 
is placed on Jesus. And as we see him hanging there on the cross, facing what is written here, the Lord's fierce anger, the Lord, his Father's wrath. As he stands there and takes that for us, then surely we must fall down in repentance, in worship, in thankfulness for who he is and for what he's done. See, hope is, has come, but we're going to need to come back to see the beautiful way that Zephaniah paints it. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, where this passage has shown us areas where we need to repent and seek you, may we do that. Where this passage uh, makes us feel uncomfortable uh, and weighs heavily on us, may we run to the cross of Christ. May we hear the warning siren and run to the shelter. We know the day of the Lord is coming. Lord, give us safety and security in knowing that forgiveness and hope and restoration and love and grace and mercy and peace and joy and worship and glory is found in the Lord Jesus. And may we who tonight here believe and trust in him know that the wrath that we deserved has been placed on him he is our hope he is our salvation so lord we praise you and thank you for the cross of christ amen